England will want to chat him. Ireland will want to chat him. <laughs> Real Madrid will want to chat him. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Do you want to know what the problem with the FA Cup is? <laughs> it just gets in the way. Do you know why people love the League Cup? Is that it knows its place. It doesn't It doesn't stop a whole weekend of real football. And this is coming off the back of a winter break, by the way, as well. The League Cup just slots in. It says, continue with your league football. We know that that's what you're really focusing on week in, week out. But do you want do you want a couple of extra games midweek? Of course, I fucking do. Throw in those bonus matches. That like the League Cup knows what it's offering you. No replays, just straight through. Everybody's being decided on the night. The FA Cup stops everything. It actually moves Premier League matches to midweek. It stops everything. It has replays. You have Una Emery coming out beforehand saying, "Yeah, we're focusing on it, bro. Are we focusing on it?" And then I'm coming into this match not knowing how to feel about it as well. And then you watch Aston Villa and Chelsea slog out and nil nil. And they told me VAR wasn't in it. This is another problem with the FA Cup. VAR is not in most of the games, but it is in, of course, when Aston Villa can do without it being there for once. And I don't know, I've come away from this match thinking Villa have played decent, probably should have won, definitely finished the strongest. And I was excited about extra time, thinking we're definitely going to win this now in extra time. Leon Bailey <laughs> should come on as well with fresh legs. And lo and behold, it's another game that we're going to have to we're going to have to slog through. Not just you and I, but Aston Villa. These tired legs. We've got enough to be worrying about. I want to win the FA Cup, but I would have preferred to have done it tonight. Yeah, it's not the best Friday night I've ever had. It's like, not that I'm completely writing it off already, Conan. I'm sure we'll have some fun along the way. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not like the game was a complete washout either you know for a nil all no. it wasn't the worst for a game of football it also wasn't the best even the it was odd though like even even the sound mixing from the stream i was watching was odd you know the the first problem was you couldn't really hear the fans the second problem was you could hear martin tyler and god 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 bless <laughs> god bless matt holland or andy townsend they were doing their best but but martin martin tyler sounded like he was talking and he's sleep it was he was it was but his excitement less than someone described their dream as well by the way like they, they, you know what he sounded like Conan? someone who should have retired in the summer he sounded, he sounded like someone who was let go by sky sports jamie redknapp's employers gary neville's deifiers they let him go they didn't want this lad talking on the air anymore what the fuck or whatever stream i was watching on them picking him up <laughs> and I think we'll win it from a park. That's grand, but we should be beating this Chelsea team without the need for a replay. They're managed by fucking Pochettino. He wouldn't get a participation medal on under eight sports day. He's a fucking loser. Just beat them and get on with the league campaign. And <laughs> yeah, this is it. I don't want to come on here and be too down on the FA Cup. I think it's just annoying that the game is finished and I don't know where I am with it. I don't know where because we're not anywhere. We have to just go and do it again. We're in this stasis whereas if that was a nil-nil in the league we know exactly what it means and we move on with it if we won that game tonight, if we lost that game tonight we know exactly what it means but it's just going to be another game slotted in and now I have to forget about it and have to worry about Newcastle on a Tuesday night which is midweek by the way because the FA Cup takes over the weekend but it all could have been different it all could have been 
saved if Douglas Louise's goal had been allowed to count if Barr wasn't there. And I mean, let's <laughs> let's let's get real. We're not going to have a VAR conversation, really. But Unai Emery didn't even celebrate this goal, and it wasn't because he knew VAR was going to overturn it. It was because this goal was a mess, really. Just... <laughs> I mean, so it's a short corner. It's an all Austin McPhee invention, and it's an Austin McPhee invention that got us to corner as well. We'll come back to that, but. The short corner from Douglas Ruiz to John McGinn gets it out to Diaby. You know, one of these corners that gets us a 25-yard shot into a stream of bodies. And Diaby hits that shot into all those bodies. And it deflects off a body. It deflects off Douglas Ruiz. And it goes into the net. I don't know why Douglas Ruiz is going away celebrating. He knows it's hit his hand. He should have told one of us along the way that that's not going to count. By the way, lads, he knows the rules <laughs> at this stage. But, yeah, and of course, of course, VAR is in. I heard during the week that it wasn't being used, and obviously somebody kicked up a fuss, and this is what we get. <laughs> yeah, it, it was an absolutely lovely, well-worked routine to get that shot from 25 yards with fucking 15 <laughs> bodies between him and the ball. And also as well as that, Diaby takes too long to get his shot as way, as is his fucking want, apparently. Yeah. It's like he couldn't believe the fact that he was still moving forward with the ball. That's why it took him so long, I think. And if anything, Douglas Louise should be embarrassed that his touch of his hand is so bad. I mean, if you're going to use your hand, mate, at least control the fucking ball. Don't knock it 15 foot into the air. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I actually think he could adjust his body to stop that ball flying past him. I don't know why he's using his hand. Get a hip on it, get a thigh on it, get anything on it. That doesn't mean the fucking get the goal is going to be cancelled and the game has to be fucking replayed. Come on, Dougie, you're better than that. <laughs> like this, like I said, came from a free kick routine just before the corner, and this is going to be one of the biggest nominations for the Rosenthal Award. And it was it was actually a well worked free kick this time, so we can slag off Austin McPhee. But the stats read in two cor- in, in one free kick, one corner, two set pieces in thirty seconds. Villa should have had two goals from two of them. But Yuri Tielemans made a balls of this one. This was just a free kick at the edge of the box, and Douglas Louise is standing free inside the Chelsea box on the left hand side and it's rolled him and he just crosses a lovely little ball with his left foot over to a free header. Imagine if you were Chelsea coach analysing this, thinking, what is going on here? And he then heads it into the ground. I mean, I mean, all those coaches and all those pundits who tell you you did the right thing by heading into the ground. This is an example. <laughs> that is not what they say, Connor. <laughs> I think what they mean is, is head it low. Do not head it into the ground because that's what happens when you do. It looked like he was heading it down to take a fucking touch. It went so close to his body. It was ridiculous. It was such, such a bad header. Yeah, Yuri Tielemans will never connect with a ball worse of his life with any part of his body. It was diabolical. He shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to get the boss back after that. That was that was a disgraceful attempt. He's sitting inside the six-yard box as well. Yeah. I mean, I know I give out about players missing the ball when in that position for Aston Villa but Jesus he headed it too well Conan if anything those fucking <laughs> lads were on his head telling him make sure you get this down make sure you get this down you know he fucking headed it backwards it was so bad <laughs> ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What did you think of Austin McPhee today? Because, like, there's two... No, I don't want to give him credit for the Douglas Louise goal. That was a terrible routine that took two deflections and one of them off a hand into the net to get rightly disallowed. But uh, the Tiedemann's chances obviously very simply worked, but it did work. But then there was a corner. John McGinn tried the Tony Pulis corner and nobody was at the back post. And it just went <laughs> straight out of play. And there was also another routine that had Douglas Louise. This was a free kick setting up John McGinn for a John McGinn shot from 30 hours that he that he took great liberty and ballooning over yeah that the John McGinn corner to the back post was terrible I mean surely there's a signal going on there John McGinn putting up one hand two hands what's going on there's no way that John McGinn has hit the ball that badly that he's floated over the top of everybody the one for the disallowed goal like it it worked well as in Chelsea didn't expect John McGinn to get the ball back from Douglas Louise from the corner but John McGinn when he got the ball, it looked like he didn't know what he was going to do with it next. So it was fucking pointless. So the Chelsea yeah. players were confused. And then they had loads of time to relax and set themselves again. Because John McGinn was just kind of waddling towards the edge of the box. Thinking, what am I doing? Who's, who's getting this? And then he gives it, of course, to Diaby. And Diaby's moving in the wrong direction for him. So he doesn't know what to do with the ball here. I'm veering through different award categories, different fines. Just, just in the top of the show because... Like we've done with the European podcasts, we're going to keep this a bit more brief as well because we do have another game against Chelsea coming up in this same competition. (laughs) (laughs) And we are going to beat Chelsea and we are going to have to pace ourselves through this competition, through the Europa League. So we're just going to try and mix it up a little bit with some of these podcasts, just in case anybody didn't listen to any of the midweek ones. Explain yourself if you didn't. But there was a few more chances. <laughs> Cole Palmer. I mean, this is also a, a what the fuck. It's going to take some beating with this. Although we did try our best <laughs> to try and beat this one. But Longley just tees up Cole Palmer in the box. And it's a save from Martinez. Martinez also teed up Cole Palmer in the box. <laughs> it's another miss cool pump i mean this guy's ego was out of control enough as it is without opposition players giving him gimmies in the box 
But in fairness to Martinez, when he's in this sort of shot-stopping form, there's probably no such thing as a gimme, really. Yeah, like the first one. I think the, the two you just described, there are just three what-the-fuck moments in it. The first one, Longley to Palmer. Like Andy Townsend, their Matt Holland, said Longley, Longley was forced into the mistake. Now, I can't decide if Andy Townsend or Matt Holland are the nicest fellas in the country or the daftest. Like, let, let's ignore the fact that he was under as about as much pressure as a Tobuf operator on the fucking moon. There is no amount of pressure that would excuse that. Like, he, he could have had his balls in a fucking vice grip. Cole Palmer could have had his fucking family held hostage, and this would not have been excusable. What in the name of God? He, he, he looks across, sees Cole Palmer, looks up the pitch, decides he can't play a fucking forward pass either, apparently, and then just decides to play to Cole Palmer. It was like he thought, who's over to me right again? Oh, yeah, I'll pass it to him. There is somebody there. There's somebody there as a Chelsea player, you plonker. What the fuck are you doing? The Martin has the Cole Palmer one. Like, yeah, Martinez has tried to ping this ball like hundreds and hundreds of times, and maybe just once this will happen, we're we'll pinging it off Cole Palmer's ankles. Terrible moment, an absolute what the fuck moment, and would be the winner were it not for the Longley to Palmer or Cole Palmer after this. Martin Tyler. Martin Tyler tells us it flew at Palmer, to be fair. Nobody thinks he should have controlled Martinez's clearance, Martin. That's not what's at issue here. This was fucking disgusting. You missed the ball by so much that he didn't connect with it until it bounced off the ground and came back up and had his fucking studs. It was dreadful from Palmer. Such a lack of composure. And the worst thing about it for Palmer is the only defender who could have got anywhere near him was Longley, so he couldn't have got anywhere near him. <laughs> In the words of Andy Townsend, listen, fair play. <laughs> Who wins the What The Fuck Award then? Is it Cole Palmer? Is it Longley? Is it Martinez? Or is it Bobakar Kamara? For the all two Austin that we're seeing, Bobakar Kamara, selling somebody shorter, getting caught on the ball in that pivot position, and he just sells Martinez short, who thankfully is on his toes all game tonight because he realised he had to be when Longley wasn't going to be able to track. And like, did you, did you notice, by the way, when we brought Diego Carlos on? And, like... This wasn't even down Diego Carlos' side. There was nothing to blame for Diego Carlos in any of these moves. But suddenly when we have Carlos and Longley at centre-back again, bang, 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 all these balls over the top being pushed through. It just happens every time it's like those two are together. Yeah, I, I think I think Kamara, Kamara to Martin. Kamara had such a strange game, didn't he? He was, he was playing like fucking... He was playing like John Terry, playing away from home. He was in and out, up and down. He was all over the place. Like, he, <laughs> It's so many times where like, he doesn't seem like he wants that pass sometimes. Like sometimes yeah. he seems like he's panicking. He was trying to slice one with his with his instep at one stage down the wing. And then sometimes he'll get it and he'll just hold off three players and just ping one into centre midfield. It just sometimes his head is gone. Sometimes he seems like he's really under pressure in his own head. And then other times he looks like he's absolutely fine with it. Give me the ball anywhere in the pitch that you want. I thought it was really difficult to assess how well Bubakar Kamara played tonight because he did some shocking things in the ball and he did some absolutely brilliant things. Skinning lads, stepping inside lads, holding lads off, pinging balls through the middle and then also pinging balls through to fucking Gallagher as he's bearing down on Mary Martinez. Yeah. Well, he did, he did a fine, worthy thing in the first half when Andrew Fernandez. It's just, this is probably one of the most annoying 
things that people do and it really does mirror the fine Edson Fernandez facing the sideline in his own half going nowhere and Bobacar Camaro pushes him over pulls him comes through him just makes sure he fouls him it's like what even if he managed to turn either and I don't know why he would because he's planted facing the wrong way he's panicking if he did turn he'd just turn around and run back to the other side of him again don't worry about Enzo Fernandez <laughs> wrong foot knee you're going to have enough time to recover but but you're right because then Bubakar Kamara shows those moments then where he's driving out and it's like ah Jesus good to have him back and not even driving out driving through the middle and just opening things up and when we have Douglas Louise Kamara and begin doing that like we did for some passages of play we are we are very much a threat again it was it, it was nice after this little break that we've had after a couple of results where we would have preferred to have won it was just nice to see, oh yeah, I, f- I forgot we can be good as well. <laughs> yeah, I do think the three lads did look refreshed today, and notwithstanding the fact that Bobby Carcamara did some absolutely shocking things on the ball, but the three of them did seem to be a little bit more on it. They seemed to be a bit more sure of themselves. Now, Chelsea were actually very good in the first half as well and did well to push us back and keep us penned in. Not that they created that many chances that weren't of our own making, but... I do. It was nice. It was nice to see that the two-week break has paid dividends because I was thinking the last couple of weeks, Christ Almighty, that break can't come soon enough. And I think I actually declared it was coming one week early on the podcast as well until I fucking found out there was another game in six days' time. <laughs> Maduriki had a big, big nomination for the Rossenthal Award as well. Just a bad miss from Cole Palmer. Pullback, this is when Sterling was on the left and he linked up with Cole Palmer the first and last time Sterling linked up with anybody tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Cole Palmer pulls it back and Manuriki just running in, kicks it in the exact same direction that he's facing where Emmy Martinez is with the whole goals open to his right. So that was a bad one, but I don't think there's any beating. Telemans with a header is probably going to take some beating, but also, geez, like, T- Telemans, Yuri Rosenthal. I mean, this is an other lovely... <laughs> Lovely move. It's John McGinn on the breakaway. Like looking up, gets it to Douglas Ruiz, gets it back to him again, gets it to Abby. And now you're thinking, right, come on, show a bit of composure. Come on, pass it at the right time, shoot at the right time, whatever you do, just do it at the right time, please. And he does. He looks up, he finds a runner, he finds the pass. And Yuri Tillemans blazes it over. Mm. And then because. because he decided to take all the pace out of that shot and place it and pick his spot. I have to assume that someone he intensely doesn't like is in that crowd. Like, you know, some, someone who shagged his wife, any Chelsea fan, really. Like, maybe both, actually. Maybe John Terry was sitting in the crowd, Connor. I don't know. But I cannot, I cannot accept that he was trying to put that ball on target because he has taken all the pace out of it and decided to place it right into the fucking Chelsea end. Bizarre, bizarre finish from him. And it was the one moment of quality that the Abbey actually showed. And he plays the ball really well. It's a really good picker because there's a lot happening in that box. There's a lot of lads flying around. And he does shoot a composure and he does play the ball perfectly in these straight. And it's a fucking dreadful finish. Was it the worst end to a half ever for one player than it was for Yuri Tillemans at the end of that first half? I mean, straight, straight after that miss, John McGinn won the ball back again. John McGinn drove forward again and then he pushed this pass forward to Yuri Tillemans who gets turned well in fairness to him he's got a lovely touch and then he's got a pass to Watkins to his left and he doesn't have a pass to Diaby through the bodies and he tries to find that pass to Diaby through the bodies 
and he doesn't have that pass or he doesn't find that pass and the ball's gone, the chance is over, the halftime whistle blows. Yeah, so unlike him as well to pick the wrong pass, especially in that instant. And maybe Chelsea were just attuned to it because he does often play that pass and you won't have expected it and the defenders will be completely caught out by it because he shouldn't be trying it and it works out. And maybe this time Chelsea were just told, Tielemans gets on the ball, be careful, it falls through the middle. I don't know. Seemed to be well defended. I have to believe that it was well defended because it's so unlike Yuri Tielemans to fuck up a through ball. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick breather and we're going to come back after this. And he was given out about the instinct to assume that they're guilty. That's because we can see the team that you're fielding. That's, that's because we can see that a club with the fans who can just about create the same level of atmosphere as Denmark versus Tunisia in Qatar, a club like that shouldn't be able to spend £400 million on defenders in three years. Pep Guardiola knows that his legacy is in question here. Pep Guardiola is so terrified of people on Twitter to call him Fraudiola. And like, listen, some of those people have a point. I mean, in his last season at Barcelona, he had Messi running around scoring 73 goals. But Pep led them to second place, nine points behind fucking Igoja Mourinho's Real Madrid. And were knocked out of the Champions League by Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea. Roberto Di Chelsea. His first year at treble winners, Baron, they were beaten 5-0 by Real Madrid in the Champions League. He didn't even win the double in his second season. Oh, but he played Philip Lam out of position. You know who didn't play Philip Lam in midfield? Treble winner, you pinkers. Do you know who had to play Philippe Coutinho in midfield? Treble winner, Hansi Flick. Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea. Bayern Munich have won the last 10 titles. It doesn't matter who the manager is. Niko Kovac won the double in his only full season. He was hounded out by November the following year. Do you know who he's managing now? Of course you don't! don't. He's just some manager. Any manager who took over and won the double. It's not a league, it's a fucking procession. Bayern Munich literally take the best player from the second best team. From the second best team in the same league. It's insane. They signed Goetze in Pep's first year. Then Lewandowski the following year. Then they left him alone for a year and then they signed Mats Hummels. <laughs> Can you imagine if City signed Salah in 2018 and then Manny and then the following year signed Van Dijk? <laughs> the Bundesliga is a fucking joke. And, and regardless of how good a coach Squarioli is, no matter how well he's taken Cruyff's template and superimposed better players onto it, anyone, anyone could do what he did at Bayern. As demonstrated by the fact that everybody has. Anyone could do what he did at Bayern. Everybody has. The only other couple of chances that I didn't mention really was 
Matt Cash. Was this annoying? Like, was Matt Cash right? He, he struck it well. I think it was annoying because we had opened them up so much. This was like, if we're, if we're handing out to Paul Merson, that's just filthy award. It's Ollie Watkins again. Ollie Watkins has won this now on numerous occasions from these positions where he has to do the the dogged work, the Troy Deeney work, you know, the sort of stuff that Harry Kane couldn't do. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> he has to hold men off. He has to get the ball under control, these awkward balls. And he has to do something ridiculous with it as he's being found. And he does. And does he get it to Diaby who gets it out to cash? And then Diaby is, is inside then. There's somebody else arriving at the edge of the box. And you just, like, cash is not interested. Like, I was just happy that he actually took it into a better position. Because you saw him winding up the right foot. And thankfully, he, he realised, okay, everybody knows I do this. So I'll come on to my left. But I'm also thinking, is Matt Cash on his left foot now this best option? From this breakaway, we've got a man over. Is this how it would work if we did this in training over and over? They took the shot anyway. It was a decent shot, in fairness. And Petrovic made a decent save. And, I mean, the look in this guy's face, the name of him, all I wanted to do is come on here tonight and call him Petrified instead of Petrovic. <laughs> but, but I have nothing really to, to go on. So we'll save it for the home game, maybe. <laughs> It's absolutely brilliant from Watkins, you're right. And gee, you're right to compare him to Troy Deeney. It was that good, Conan. And <laughs> Matt Cash. Matt Cash does really well, I think, for Matt Cash particularly as well. And the, the strike with his left foot is really good. It's it's really well controlled. It's like he gets his laces on it and it's going into the net. It's on target but is what I mean by that. It's not exactly in the corner though either. But like it was good. It was better than what he normally produces with his right foot. Maybe we've got a reverse Leon Bailey on our hands here, Conan. <laughs> there, there was a, there was another big chance as well for for Konza. He slices yeah. wide. I mean, I think that was a really big chance, and Konza knew it as well because he spins around as soon as the ball spins off his spins off his foot. And we had fucking petrified flapping around like an inflatable tall boy outside a car dealership as well. He came out and just fucking flapped the ball down to down to Konza, and he was off his line. He was all over the place. He was trying to get back. I don't think Ezra has to hit it quite as hard as he as he wanted to there. He can definitely control that a lot, a lot more, and just put it into the net because because petrifies nowhere to be seen. <laughs> yeah, it comes a half volley that sort of his laces. He came across it obviously to hit it the outside of his boot. Matt Cash also missed a. He had an air shot at the edge of the box. Although we take one air shot per game at this rate, we'd be happy enough for that. <laughs> but, but I think petrified flapped at that case as well. The ball was just bobbling around, and it came to Matt Cash. We ended up getting it back out to the left and getting the ball in, but. Like, there was one chance for Watkinson. I don't even know if it's a chance, really. He just gets the ball on the right, has a shot, and you're happy. He's never going to score from there. Unless it's Hugo Lloris in that. And <laughs> just, it's just, but it's one of those ones that you're happy. It's like, yeah, you know, just, just let's get, yeah. we're going to, we're going to get uh, up the pitch. He's getting going a bit now. He's going to feel, he's going to feel something for that. But we're really lacking in chances for Watkinson. I mean, I'm coming on here saying, we played well, and it was good to see us playing well again. I think we did, and I do think we just about shaded that match. I agree, Chelsea were probably the better team in the first half, or definitely controlled the game a bit more. Villa still had the better chances in the first half, had the goal, but we're just not creating enough chances for Watkins. I mean, I actually miss Watkins being on the Rossenthal award list. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, Connor. Maybe he was really new, was in danger of having the, the award renamed. That one where he had the spank. I actually, yeah, it's nice to see your centre forward just being bullish like that, taking it out, getting the shot away, getting the corner from it anyway. But I think there was a cheeky little reverse pass onto Diaby there. 
and I want to see I want to see Watkins sinking a little bit more outside the box. Obviously, really difficult given what you've just talked about. Whenever you haven't been in the game and you're a centre forward and you're in form and the media is talking about you round the clock, you do want to impact the game as soon as you get the ball. And normally for a centre forward, what they're thinking is I'll score a goal. That's the only way I can impact the game. <laughs> but I think I think there was something clever he could have done there. I think the Abbey was in the middle. And you're right, Walkin isn't going to score from there. It's not Hugo Lloris and Nets. Play it across. Let's do the Vimin meter before we move on and put this game to bed. I've got, I got my cash going up. I think, Jesus, I think this version of Raheem Sterling is just tailor-made for him. I mean, Raheem Sterling is so sharp, can be so sharp. But it's when he's linking up with people, and like I say, he wasn't linking up with anybody in this match. It's when he plays the one through and he, like he plays it first and goes, and he's so hard to keep a handle on. But Cash didn't have to worry about any of that. He didn't have to worry about where the ball was going and then where the second run was going. He could just smash him over and over. He could stand off and wait for Raheem Sterling to try and take him to the line and know that he could go with him as long as Raheem Sterling was dribbling. He was just, he was all over him. He was comfortable. I think, I agree. I think he was probably fine to take that shot on I think it was just yeah seeing Matt Cash in those positions it was bringing back P- PTSD for me but yeah I think Matt Cash is good he's going up on the Vimeo meter the, the pass Sterling played through to, to Cole Palmer was absolutely out of this world but you're right yeah. Matt Cash defended him so well and he defended him so bravely as well because he was right up his hole and if there's very few footballers I can think of in the world who I'd like to be up their hole less than Raheem Sterling maybe John McGinn just because Sterling's <laughs> so jinky he's so nippy and he's got such a burst of acceleration that I wouldn't want to be that close to him and I know Matt Cash has got a burst of acceleration as well but I think that's a really brave way to defend yeah. against Sterling I would try to make him make decisions that's what I'd be thinking I wouldn't be giving him the decision to just roll you I'd be, I'd be letting him stand on the ball and see what he comes up with but yeah like he played really well Matt Cash uh, for the Ashley Westwood award, I probably have Alex Moreno. I don't really remember him at all in this match. Mm. He got down the byline once or twice, and I think it, the crosses he put in were were intercepted. It was actually it was it wasn't it was Moreno who put the ball in for Yuri Tielemans. It was a great little dink into the back post for Yuri Tielemans to head the ball against his own ankles. And <laughs> other than that, yeah, he got in once or twice, got to a few balls that only Alex Moreno can get there, but then just won a corner from it. Yeah, very, very quiet game. Didn't get him into the game enough, I would say. There was a header from Matt Cash float at a back post that I think Alex Moreno has to do better on. It is a high ball, but gee, it only oh, got stuck yeah. higher when it came off to his Courtney House head. What the fuck was he playing out there? Get above that, mate. Like It's not a brilliant pass, isn't he? But, like, this is a tough game. There's very few open chances here. We have to make the most of ones like this. It's a header at the back post. Get it on target. Yeah. And the ball was such that he probably would have been forgiven for just getting it back across the goals as well. That's all he would have had to do to just get up high and get it back across anywhere there and see what happens. But, yeah, you're right. And, like, maybe it's a case of the look at Deans where just so many assists left out there not through anything he's done I mean I'm giving Douglas so easy credit for that ball but that that's a surefire goal surefire assist that Alex Moreno should have had and Austin McPhee should have had as well <laughs> going up John McGinn is going up I think he's really good I love also John McGinn in that sort of form and I want to put I want to put Telemans up just because I'm happy to see him back and he's, he's just ah, he's just a nice player isn't he he's just so solid lovely touch Missed a couple of big chances that I'm really pissed off about, but 
yeah, it's just, just good to see him as an option there, especially considering Pau Torres seems to be out again. Yeah, the like for like replacement with your Tielemans coming into the team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's trying a strange, strange game to put Tielemans up for. He, he was fine. Yeah, it is nice to have him back, but I don't think that's the criteria we've we've set out here. Is it? <laughs> Anybody in particular you want to go up or down? Emmy Martinez is really good for those one on ones. I think it'd be weird if we didn't if we didn't put him up for especially the the Cole Palmer one and the Madiuki one at the, in the first half. I think he yeah. has to go up for those. They're really bad finishes from the two lads, to be fair. But you know, maybe that's because Emmy Martinez is standing in front of. Him. Yeah, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Jurgen Klopp going to save your season ticket for the Republic of Ireland? <laughs> I think this is the only way that it can be saved. Jurgen Klopp is going to be available end of May, start of June. And Ireland have a lot of pointless fixtures this year. Might as well get him in, get him ready for the big fixtures the next year. Um, he's available. It's going to be a lot of people that are hiring him or trying to hire him. I know he said he wants a break and that's the reason that he's stepping down. He said he ran out of energy, he can't keep going. And I was looking at his... Wikipedia page like we all just end up going down rabbit holes on Wikipedia but I think it's just between Dortmund and Liverpool there's only a few months and he wanted to take a break then but then the Liverpool job came up that seems to be the the one break that he's had since 2001 since he started managing so he really has been going out of flat out but he's still young he's still 56 he's still one of the best managers in the world so it is a shame as well that if he does step away, and if he steps away and ends up enjoying retirement, then like that would be just weird to think that he would just disappear. But I was going through all the people who, even Louis said this, they will want to talk to him. England will want to chat to him. Ireland will want to chat to him. <laughs> Real Madrid will want to chat to him. PSG will want to chat to him. You could even include... And I know he said he's not going to be in any Premier League teams, but Chelsea will definitely try to shout him. United, maybe. City, maybe. All these clubs are going to want to talk to this man, Bayern Munich. And it's going to be interesting to see where he goes next. And I don't think it is going to save your season ticket. In terms of questions we can't answer, I think I can answer. Yeah, what better way to re-energize yourself than going and getting your hands on Josh Cullen and fucking your hero, Jason Knight? Get those two lads running around midfield it's like your Slavis Isaac stick him up your hole Conan what better way to re-energize yourself give yourself the energy than taking a job that Lee Carsley has turned down <laughs> fucking Lee Carsley has never managed an adult footballer and you want like, Jurgen Klopp to take the job that Lee yeah. Carsley has just turned down fuck me mate is he just on that one Roy Keane was asked about it on the overlap as well I had so much like I was watching, I, I watched over an hour of Frank Lampard on the overlap. And Fuck was... me. <laughs> Going up in the Vimeometer, your patience, Christ almighty. And they actually lost interest in it then because of Jurgen Klopp uh, news happened. Like, that's the only reason I lost interest in it. Yeah. But yeah, they, they asked Roy Keane would he be interested in Ireland's job and he, he said yes. And he just went into one about how he really liked the dynamics of international football when he was with Martin O'Neill because you're not working every day, you're not dealing with a board, you're not having to buy players, you're not in all the time, you're, you know, you can, you can come in for camps. And I was like, Roy King is currently selling himself to Irish football and the only thing he can come up with is, I'd quite like that job actually because I don't have to work every day. 
<laughs> I mean, and in the same conversation, he was talking about valuing yourself and not going for jobs anymore that he thinks that he doesn't have to go for or people aren't going to pay him enough or show him enough respect. And I was like, Dude, this is what you're bringing to the table. All you're bringing to the table is a list of your days off. Yeah. <laughs> He's also bringing his arrogance to the table for him to assume that this is his decision. This is him valuing himself. It's the <laughs> value that the fucking chairman around the country holds you in, Roy. Just yeah. making sure you're not getting offered jobs that you don't fucking want. <laughs> and you know why I like Roy Keane, I rep him. <laughs> Roy Keane was a fantastic football player, Colin, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But a word on Jurgen Klopp, Liam. I sound like one of those guys at the end of a press conference <laughs> in England. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, there, there's there's probably three ways to think about Klopp at Liverpool. Like he did turn Liverpool into one of the one of the best teams in Europe. I mean, they competed for the two toughest competitions in Europe regularly, and I always say that as a fan, you know, of Aston Villa and of Ireland, like that's what you really want. It's it's the competitiveness you want. You want them to be at it all the time competing at, the, at their level doing the best that they can and I, Jesus Christ they maximised Liverpool's potential during those times because they were in the top five teams in Europe for you know, seven of the last nine years you would argue not wanted as many trophies as the teams he built deserved well definitely great on him I would imagine I mean do you think of like two years ago he was a Steven Gerrard era Douglas Louise paying attention for a full match away from winning a fucking treble but just like, that'd be like expecting a dog to stay in a sausage factory. I mean, like, that's the way he's been tuned in for 90 minutes. Yeah. And they were fucking a generational performance from Courtois away from making like quadruple as well in that game. But he, he has lost a lot of finals. That's another way to look at it. I mean, but I also don't think losing European Cup finals, they Real Madrid and Unai Emery are exactly reputation destroyers <laughs> either. <laughs> like, and losing finals and leagues after amassing 90 points to Ped Guardiola's financially doped Man City as well probably <laughs> isn't exactly something that he's going to be keeping him awake at night either and he did play better football like the football they the football they produced was fucking electric and they're they're getting back to that now as well and like that seems to be what he was trying to put in place and I was, I was getting really fucking excited about it uh, about this team that he's putting together that you know, on the assumption that Aston Villa can't win the league, <laughs> it'd be nice to see to see a team the way Liverpool played three or four years ago coming back and doing it again. And the games that those two teams played against each other, Liverpool and Man City, were fucking iconic. Like the quality of those games, you'd be like, I was tuning in to watch Community Shields just because it was Liverpool against Man City. That's how high a level that they took the sport to, and he definitely had a massive part in it. Yeah. And we don't need to go through his legs. Everybody knows it, but just from from what he picked up there as well. And, and yeah, nice of him to to leave it in a better place. I was sort of wondering, well, obviously he left it in a better place from what he picked up, but I was sort of thinking, I mean, he told this team apparently that this this is not year one, this is year one of a new team, and I'm sure he meant that at the time as well, including himself. We're all going through a new phase now with this team, and then he's just decided halfway through that, like, yeah, I can't keep doing it, but it's... He's gone through the pain of a rebuild. I mean, this team, it's a bit its a bit of a sad ending in terms of, like, they could end up still winning the league. But in terms of... The league, the League Cup, the FA Cup and the Europa League Cup. Yeah, but this is what I was getting excited for them. Like, Jesus, they'll probably get the Champions League and all the crack. And I remember they're, they're not in it. So it's just a, 
it feels like it's not a fitting way for him to end his campaign or end his whole stint at Liverpool by, by not being in the Champions League today. He was in the final three times with, with them at and like they're always competing for it. So like that's that's a bit sad. But the fact that he's going out having basically done the dirty work for whoever else mm. comes in now, he's really yeah, he's really done them all a favour there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wonder, I wonder, did he want to retire last year? But he thought, I can't do it. I can't leave a squad with Keita and fucking Oxley Chamberlain and even Firmino, fucking Fabinho, Jordan Henderson. I can't leave the squad like that. I'm not leaving Liverpool the way Alex Ferguson left Man United. I can't, I can't do yeah. that to them. I'll just... Drained of every last drop. Yeah, and see exactly. Later. Yeah, yeah. And especially because he didn't have a particularly good year last year. Uh, so maybe that, was, maybe that was part of his decision making as well. But I'm sure starting the rebuild was a part of it and maybe he thought he would have the energy maybe he thought realizing they had to change the team would re-energize him and it just evidently hasn't well anyway we need to keep re-energizing ourselves we've got a few days off and we've got Saudi Arabia on Tuesday night it's going to be a big one I'm looking forward to it yeah look you know I was going to go into predictions I was going to start going into wish lists and maybe like writing a letter to Santa there about what I hope for this match but you know what let's just get to the match (laughs) And we'll talk after and see how we go there. That's the only thing we can do. Just keep moving forward. We'll chat to you later on. All the best. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.